Good evening, everyone. It's Necro Thursday. I'm here with Mike Scandato. How's it going, Mike? It's going okay. Uh, doing this one with a bit of a cold, so the voice is a little off. But I am a trooper, Michael, and I know when I have responsibilities, I have things that I have to do. I do them. So I am here, sickly and all. Uh, it is freezing in, uh, in the Northeast right now. Uh, it's like in the 50s and raining out. And there's no heat on in my building because normally it isn't this temperature this time of year. So it's fucking cold as shit here. Oh, what wow. about you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 raining and cold out today. Uh, mm -hmm. I worked at home today. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't really I didn't go really didn't go to too many places today, really. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, you know, it's I have I have control of my own heat here. So it's um a little bit little bit easier i definitely have the heat on though that's that's a a very uh significant point of the year when you decide <laughs> to turn the heat on yes you know? uh i do not have control of the heat in this building so that kind of sucks I, I i moved into this building in november of 2021 and i think the heat came on that weekend so hopefully this weather gets a bit better and it is supposed to uh, in the next day or so, because, uh, yeah, I have a hat on and like a jacket. So oh, wow. there you go in my own apartment. But anyway, you might have to build a October. campfire. <laughs> you might have to build a campfire. Mm, I know. Get a fire going in the, in the living room. I mean, uh, I am happy it is October though. Mike Halloween season has begun. Hasn't it? Yeah, that's right. And, uh, to commemorate the Halloween season, I ordered uh, a brand new, Night of the Living Dead long sleeve from uh, Fright Rags. Ooh, very nice. <laughs> Ordered it on Friday, and it showed up today. Yeah, they're pretty amazing, Fright Rags. Yeah. They, they, they don't fuck around. Uh, they get that shit in the mail the day you order it or the next day. Um, so a uh, big Fright Rags fan. Uh, I have quite a good good couple of their pieces in my T-shirt collection, I'm sure you got a couple. Huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm wearing. I'm wearing it right now. Actually, it's like uh, the classic Night of the Living Dead graphic. You know, with the uh, zombie girl on it, and uh, yeah, it's got like the N Night of the Living Dead written on the sleeve, like in spooky letters. You know, it looks cool. I'm wearing a vintage Anathema Silent Enigma long sleeve that I will tell you and I will share with the listeners. Purchased. From near Gala, Behemoth himself. Hell yeah, man. For a bit of a pretty penny, but uh, well worth it because this shirt is awesome. It's like made really well because, you know, back in like the mid 90s, they, they made the long sleeves, that 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 strong stuff material cotton, you know. And uh, yeah, I love this shirt. And uh, I it came from him. He even sent a, a signed photo along with it when I bought it off him. So I wow. bought that. Damn. Yes. Pretty cool. Nice nice of him. But uh yeah, man, aside from that, I'm uh, I'm doing the October challenge, the October Halloween challenge. And thus far I have watched uh Glorious, of course, a film uh we covered here on the Necromaniacs podcast. Uh and I watched The Gate, mm. the uh late eighties film, which by the way, I've never really seen before and I enjoyed it very much. That's a good one, man. Uh, it is a good movie, yeah. And tonight, I don't know, may go like old, old school, may go something universal. Are you are you, are you attempting that this year? I'm already behind, man. It's like uh, mm. <laughs> I, 
I wanted to do it this year, but you know, as we record this, it's the third of uh, October, and I've I've, yeah. I've only watched one movie so far, and I'm already behind. Maybe I'll double up, and maybe I'll catch up with everyone. I don't know. Yeah, doubling up is okay, listeners. Just so you know, to reach this uh, 30, 31 movie goal, uh, you can double up. Nothing wrong with that. Um, let's get some housekeeping out of the way. You're listening to the Necromaniacs podcast. We're coming at you every single Thursday. We hope you're subscribed uh, on Apple or on Spotify. But aside from that, we're part of a gang, right, Mike? We're gang culture here at Necromaniacs podcast and why don't you share with the listeners who else is a part of this gang that we're in yeah we even have like gang signs and colors mm-hmm. that we wear too. yes colors colors yeah. so mm-hmm. uh you know starting the week off we got horror wolf 666 another horror podcast hosted by brandon legion mm-hmm. tuesday into the necrosphere hosted mm-hmm. by jackie smith all things black and death metal and extreme metal. And just a little heads up, Mike and I are going to be guests on that show in a couple of weeks. It'll be that's right. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're not going to talk about what it's going to be about. It's going to be a fun little topic, a uh, specific topic. But yeah, the two mics uh, are going to be a part of Into the Necosphere. It's going to be a fun time. And, uh, uh, on and, Wednesday, and, uh, yeah, we have none other than Mike Hills. Everything Went Black podcast, the podcast that started it all uh, on Thursday. You're listening to it right now, Necromaniacs podcast. Of course you're listening to it. Uh, Friday, none other than Break the Apocalypse podcast with my very own flesh and blood, Mr. John Draper himself. Saturday, no one listens to podcasts on Saturday, although I should take that back. There are no new podcasts on Saturday. I feel like of all the podcasts I check out, there's never a new episode on a Saturday, which we've kind of maintained. Right, Mike? Yeah, I, I noticed the same thing. Like I might listen to a podcast on Saturday, you know, if I'm like doing laundry or something or, you know, sure, like vacuuming and mopping the floors or something. And I'll have something on my <laughs> headphones, you know. Right. But yeah, dropping a new episode that day, I feel like the podcast world has said, no, we're not going to drop new episodes on that day. It's a day of rest, like Sunday, right? But Sunday brings us the Lord's Day, and that also brings us Soul Knocks by the mighty yes. Carl Hikara. So. so six days a week in our gang of podcasts that you should be completely subscribed to and engaged with. Right, Mike? That's right. Yes, indeed. Uh, over the weekend, I just wanted to say, uh, I went to the Flying Fox Tavern over in Ridgewood, Queens. Uh, Stella and I, well, Stella was uh, vending there for this uh, Halloween market. And it was it was a grand old time, Mike. Cool place. I saw something about that on uh, Instagram. So, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, very cool. Um, you know, more of like an old school horror vibe, like classic horror, which is which is definitely up my alley uh if anyone listening wants to check it out it is called the flying fox tavern in ridgewood queens new york check that place out if you can all right um you do anything interesting over the weekend not really i'm trying Mm. to think what i actually did uh no all right (laughs) 
<laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I just <laughs> kind of hung, laid low. Um, you know, there was like a couple of fights on over the weekend and I checked that stuff out. Uh, I did watch Jacob's Ladder again. That's like one of the things I watched as far as horror films go. Oh, cool. That's a good movie. <clears throat> and that, that's, man, that's a fucking trippy movie, man. Yeah, it, it, it kind of, it, it fucks you up a little bit, that movie, I feel like, you know? It's kind of a sleeper. Like, it's not really mm. mentioned by a lot of people. No. Um, oh, I also want to say I saw death metal band Pyrexia on Saturday. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, they played at uh, Lucky 13. Right on. Uh, which is pretty cool. They got some other good shows coming up there. Malignancy is going to be playing there. And, you know, I, I like going to see the death metal shows locally. It, uh, it, it's like, why the hell not, you know? Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I think this week I'm going to go check out uh, Blood Incantation and Mortuous and Vermin Womb at uh, Brooklyn Monarch. That should be fun. That's uh, this coming weekend? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I think, Thursday night. Um, that's like a U.S. tour. Oh, and well, Full huh. of Hell is on it as well. That's right. I'm going to be in Brooklyn on Thursday night, so maybe I'll swing by there. There's um, um there's like a, an, an event featuring Eugene S. Robinson on Thursday. Oh, that, nice. Uh, that I might. I'm going. Well, I'm definitely going to that. Depending on what time it it wraps, I might I might shoot out there and try to catch the show. Cool, cool. Yeah, let me know, man. All right. But uh, tonight, folks, continuing with our streak of new horror, 2022 horror. Uh. If you listen to the last time Mike and I chatted, we we talked a little bit about it. Uh, we are covering Dahmer, uh, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story on Netflix, which was a sleeper hit for Netflix, Mike. Like, it had huge numbers, like Squid Game, Stranger Things numbers. How about that? That's uh, not surprising, actually. Not surprising? No, hmm. because it seems like, uh, especially with Netflix – there's this renaissance of true crime and serial murder shows that seem to be very popular at the moment. Yeah, I would agree. And and Netflix does it pretty well. Uh, the the Bundy series was, I thought, very well done. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, then that one they did about Times Square that we enjoyed, uh, that we had talked about uh, at the very beginning of 2022, was also rather enjoyable. So I, I would say, you know, for, for all their, you know, not so great stuff, Netflix, when it comes to uh, true crime, I think they know what they're doing. Would you agree? Yes, I do agree with that. Um, yeah. You know, I got to say, though, I kind of um, have fallen out of interest in true crime over the last uh, several years. You know, that's just my uh, preference, I guess. Yeah, I mean... I've said it before. I feel like the the age of the the serial killer is largely over. Um, again, you know, I'm not saying there isn't one out there somewhere right now because, well, there probably is. Uh, but the big boom is over. You know, it's like going out there playing grunge right now. The grunge <laughs> era is over, but you can still be a grunge band. You know what I'm saying? It's well, just you know. wasn't there a serial killer in Brooklyn a few years ago? You know, there uh, that is news to me. Really, a Brooklyn serial killer a few years ago. Yeah, I would in, have to uh, do some deep digging. 
Yeah, there was a guy that was uh, mostly preying on the Orthodox community in um, in in Brooklyn, and that, huh. that that might have been why you didn't hear about it because you know they they like to keep things very close to their chest out there. Well, I I am now remembering someone who was killing homeless people, who I do believe killed two homeless people, but I don't know if they you know. If he got some kind of cool nickname or anything out of it, uh, but there there was something about a homeless serial killer or something like that. But I think they got that guy, and I think he only got to about two people, unless I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, like I said, serial killers still fascinating. They still exist, but it's just not like it once was. You know, let's you know, let's be honest here. I'm I'm going <laughs> to make um a statement. Okay. I think that it's more of a media coverage thing as opposed to there not being actual people out there killing on a, in a serial killer manner. You could be right, yeah. but come on. But I almost feel like the the news is like, you know, conventional news, television news is so sparsely watched that if there was a hint of it, they would just be all over like it would they would be doing a dance you know what i'm saying at the news studio like so i feel like they might exploit the hell out of it but you're saying that you think there might be a lack of coverage of it you know purposely well it i just don't think it's it's something that they people want to report on because i mean if you look at what the hot ticket items are these years these, these years it's um you know these days rather it's uh you know politics yeah woke culture Mm-hmm. right-wing extremism yeah racism is, yeah. is sexier than serial killing but as we <laughs> see as we see serial killing is extremely sexy right now i well, mean yeah if you could yeah. combine racism homophobia <laughs> and murder then i think yeah, the I media see. might might cover all that stuff you know what i mean well i almost feel like the part of the reason why Dahmer is is so hot now is partially because it it did involve you know it did involve the gay community yep and, and there's a lot of young people young straight and gay people learning about Dahmer like fairly recently so he's new to some people you have to you have to you know imagine that you know you and I were you know late 40s etc we've known about him forever but you know the younger, youngish horror fan, the youngish pop culture person, the person, this is new shit. So it, it, it's just as fascinating to them too, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, um, you see how I let, I let into this, Mike, you know, mm -hmm. this nice lead up I made into, uh, into Dahmer, you know, cause I feel like mm -hmm. this show, the way that it was put together kind of touches on all those hot button items. You know, we got the police, yeah. mm -hmm. you got racism. You know, mm -hmm. you got uh, homophobic uh, sentiments. Yep. You got all this stuff mm -hmm. kind of rolled into this uh, story of uh, Jeff Dahmer. Yeah, totally. And, you know, extremely well acted, well done from Evan Peters playing uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, wow. I, I mean, to me, one, one of the biggest, you know, things about it, I think, that, that has made this so such a phenomenon is that you 
I don't even know if I want to say it, but I don't know if you're not really rooting for Jeffrey Dahmer. You are somewhat like, I don't know, you have a tiny bit of empathy for him based on the performance coming from Peters. And I think based on the fact that you're, you, you learn pretty much everything about his life and his childhood. Whereas let's be honest in the, in the early nineties, mid nineties, you know, but even by the time Dahmer dies, yeah, I've, I've read some things about him, but I didn't know jack shit about him, really, you know, uh, other than that he was a gay serial killer. Like, yeah. I really didn't know much about him at all. Uh, I didn't even know he had a brother. Uh, I didn't know the deal with his parents. So it's like, it. I don't know if it this completely humanizes him and makes you feel bad. It doesn't really do that. But it makes you think about him more. And some people apparently took a little issue with that. Like, but I, again, I just attribute that to it being so well done, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard to sympathize for him, honestly. Uh, yeah. but I guess you have an insight into his motivations more so than you did in the past. Like I'll, I'll, I'll say that for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, let's just talk a little bit about the particulars of this. This is a brand new thing. It's on Netflix, mm -hmm. uh, created by Ryan Murphy, who, uh, I only know him from American Horror Story and Nip Tuck. Big, big TV yeah, guy. Yeah, I mean, I put him on the map. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Ian Brennan was his, uh, helped him with the uh, screenplay on this. They co-wrote this. Mm -hmm. And of course, the uh, I'm only going to mention like three people on the cast. If you want to add other people, be my sure. guest. You know? The mighty Evan Peters as Jeffrey Dahmer. And we, mm -hmm. that guy in some ways, a very unsung actor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Quicksilver from the Marvel Universe, yep. yes. But primarily a television actor, and that's probably what, you know, that might stand in his way a little bit, but I see great things for Evan Peters. Mm -hmm. The mighty Richard Jenkins as Lionel Palmer, his father, and of course Richard Jenkins is, uh, you know, he's, he's an OG actor, um, yeah, great one, of his, one of my most one of my favorite um, roles is in uh, Six Feet Under. You know, oh, amazing. Yep. And uh, more recently, I remember him from Humans, that really cool family drama that was on Showtime. <laughs> yes. Now, out of obscurity, we have Molly Ringwald, uh, Molly Ringwald as Shari Dahmer. Jeffrey's stepmother. Uh, didn't even recognize her. How about that, Michael? Didn't even, it didn't even dawn on me that that was Molly Ringwald from about, for about 80% of the viewing of well, this series. Yeah. I mean, you know, quite a bit of time has passed since we've really yeah, seen I her, know. you know? I mean, she, <laughs> I remember her from like Pretty in Pink and. Yeah. She's not 16 anymore. She's not 18 anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She was like the, the lady, the girl that um everyone was in love with her when I was in high school. So, yeah. Hmm. Uh, another cast member we definitely, I think, mentioned is uh, Nacy Nash, who plays uh, neighbor uh, Glenda Cleveland in this. Uh, I would say she has a fairly significant role um, in the movie. Uh, however, in the movie, they made her the next door neighbor. But uh, in reality, she lived in the building across from Jeffrey Dahmer, but she does figure into the Dahmer story, obviously in both this movie and in the real story. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a shit ton of, you know, 
smaller characters in the movie, but honestly, the movie is about these people. Uh, there, there's a, a cameo from actress Penelope Ann Miller, who uh, who plays uh, Joyce Flint, which I also didn't even realize she was in the movie. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, quite a bit to take in. Uh, I will say this. I feel like 10 episodes, right? That's long, long commitment. I was glued to every episode, Michael. I was not bored. I was not looking at my phone. I was not wishing, you know, oh, when is this going to get better? Uh, would you agree? Yeah, I uh, watched multiple episodes each night. Um, mm. I think, uh, yeah, I think I finished it in like three three nights, basically. Yeah, yeah. same, about three. Uh, also of note, something again learned later on, uh, the original music going on in the background is from none other than Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. How about that? That's great. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Really cool. I'm probably going to pick up the uh, the score when it's available. Yeah, this is one I would pick up too. I thought the music was really cool. Uh, I would pick up the score for sure. Uh, although I have I've cut down a bit on my vinyl buying because I'm getting CDs. Like, by really? The way. That's my new move. Yes. Old school, That's, man. Uh, yes. Uh, a bit back on the CD horse, but that's that's an aside. Back to Dahmer. So yeah, uh, it came out uh, September 21st, just a few weeks ago on on Netflix, and uh, like I said, man, doing done gangbusters business. Um, but again, it could be attributed to to many factors. Like Mike said, it's it it has a way about it that kind of ties in a lot of today's issues and social, you know, goings on. Although it is a 30 plus year old story. Um, but me, like I said, I, 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 a part of me attributes him as, as the last of the, of the big guns of the serial killers, you know, although I, I really technically would consider uh, Raider, the BTK killer, as, as the last serial killer, quote unquote. Dahmer is the last, like, marquee, I feel like, really big seat filler, serial killer, Michael. What do you think? Yeah, because he had the whole fandom, you know, angle. You know, people mm-hmm. writing him letters. You know, young young girls were falling in love with him. You know, things like yes, that. And men, yes, and, and men. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, yeah, but and also keep in mind too that back in like 1991, like you really had a very limited way of finding out information about people. Yeah, you know, it's totally. like. You had the you had the news, you had the newspaper, you had various magazines, and then you had the more shadowy sources of information that might be in like, uh, you know, like a Jim Goat publication or zines mm-hmm. or that comic book company that published the serial killer. That's comics. right, Boneyard yeah. Press. I have that comics, listeners. Uh, for the listeners who have seen the film, uh, there, there's a scene where they show the Jeffrey Dahmer comic book that had come out in '92. Well. I have it. I've had it uh, since it came out. And uh, sure enough, uh, it's going on eBay for hundreds and hundreds of dollars right now. But, you know, I don't know who would, who would pay that much for it, but I've had it forever. Um, yeah, you learned about things that way. But get this, man. Speaking of learning new things about the case, about like his brother and, and some other things, I never knew that the guy who, who killed him in prison 
literally killed someone else moments before he killed Dahmer. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, that was new to me. Uh, there was another prisoner, you know, if you've seen it, spoiler alert, that was killed in the moments leading up to, to Dahmer. The, he, he, uh, Christopher Scarver, I believe. Scarver. Scarver's yeah, last Scarver. name. Yeah. He he killed uh, another uh, white criminal before he killed Dahmer. I never knew that. Was that like not public information? I didn't know that either. Uh, so yeah, I mean that that's news to me. Um, hmm. Yeah, but I mean the fact that he was murdered in jail was definitely part of public record because I remember that was like uh, I actually remember when that no- that news came out that Jeffrey Dahmer was murdered yeah. in prison. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, we remember this as, as pre-internet stuff and, and seeing things on the news, but the, the levels of detail were, you know, rather scarce. Uh, then you, if you, if you wanted to read a book about it, you had to wait for the book to come out. Like you had to, you know, things, there would be a passage of time before you would learn, uh, anything other than what the newspaper article or a magazine that would be again another month or so later or more would give you like isn't that kind of a wild concept now in this day of like we know almost everything right away yeah like immediately yeah yeah and also that these these types of publications back then were not necessarily mainstream you know what i mean like you you'd have to find them you have to find a bookstore or order it You'd find some like you know there there were those bookstores like see here remember that place in the city see here yeah I love those they're all the time yeah, yeah you would you would find a, a very fringe place like that that might carry you know information about serial killers you know you're not going to go to like uh, Borders Books in the 90s and pick up like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer though later on they did have a true crime section but maybe not in 1991 right exactly exactly. Um, so, yeah, 10 episodes directed by uh, a host of directors, uh, including Carl Franklin, Clement Virgo, uh, Paris Barclay, and two familiar names uh, for film fans, one being Greg Araki and the other being Jennifer Lynch. What did you think about that? Yeah, I saw her name pop up a bunch of times, and I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I haven't heard much from her lately. Yeah, she did four of the episodes, and... Uh, I don't know you could almost I almost felt like the episode she did. It's like, OK, yeah, her her touch is there. You know, uh, she did episodes four, five, nine and seven. Um, I have to say, well, again, while I enjoyed every episode, um, they were very, very hard to watch moments in this, Mike. Yes. Well, I have to be honest with you. I found the entire thing very hard to watch uh Mm. as far as um i have a note here that says that this is a lot like henry portrait serial of a killer serial eh, pardon me henry portrait of a serial killer if there was a budget to be spent on it Mm, yes yes Mm -hmm. you know you know how henry had that this sort of vibe to it It it's like super bleak vibe very hopeless Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, there was like a like a very mundane quality to the things that they were doing, and then suddenly they were murdering people. You know, like I'm talking about Henry and Otis, and that's kind of like 
you, you really see the dreary day in, day out existence of Jeffrey and, you know, his deteriorating mind, the loneliness, uh, the depression, you know, the, the sort of uh, hopelessness of the character. And then that was all expressed through just a very, very boring, mundane life. You know, like living in this like sketchy building, uh, yeah. failure after failure, like dead end job, losing his jobs, like heavy drinking, mm-hmm. uh, not quite being comfortable with his sexuality. You know, no. Um, another uh, takeaway that again, I I never knew this, that this guy was in the army for two years. Isn't that mind blowing? I think I knew that he was in the army for a while. Yeah, I never knew that. I I never knew that. Um, I guess I, I, I might've just want, read one Dahmer book a, a long time ago. And maybe that piece of information just kind of seeped out of my head, so to speak. Um, but yeah, there, there was definitely all these interesting things that I was like, Oh wow. Oh wow. And you know, that he has a brother out there, David, who changed his last name and has successfully managed to just be completely away from anything uh, involving the, like, you know, the spotlight and controversy. And apparently he's, he's married with, with children and, you know, living a very normal life. So, so good on him for managing to be, you know, the blood brother of Jeffrey Dahmer living a normal life. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's funny. I'd known about the Lionel Dahmer book, uh, which although is out of print, you, you can get it on, on eBay now for you know, decent prices, nothing too crazy. Uh, which I, I will say I would completely want to fucking read now. What, what about, you know, have you ever read it? You're, would no. you like to read it? No, mm. and, and uh, I, like I said, I'm kind of out of that whole thing really at this stage. A few years ago, I tried to read the, uh, re- reread the Anne Rule novel about, um, you know, uh, or book about Dan yeah, Bundy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I own it mm-hmm. about yeah. uh, Bundy. And and I just got really depressed reading it, and it just felt very ghoulish, you know. Mm. That one isn't as harsh as it could be, but it's it's not a walk in the park either, you know. Um, it is it is very well done, you know, well written. Uh, and Rule, uh, for those who don't know, literally worked with Ted Bundy at a uh, a crisis hotline. Uh, around the time he was doing his his biddings, which is or in the early days of, of he was doing his killings, so you know, goes to show that the level of like holy shit, you know, going on back then. Uh, again, this was in a time when you know life was quite different, and uh, you know, no no internet and no cameras, no you know, I mean, serial killers were were kind of walking the land a, a bunch of these serial killers mike that we've talked about and mentioned and the famous ones were literally simultaneously doing their bidding in america if you even think about that is kind of like holy shit to me no yeah you know actually i want to revise my statement earlier about the press not covering it i think also another factor is just that you can get away with it a lot easier back then too yes yes absolutely i mean okay if you go if you take even 1978 the year uh, Bundy, uh, not Bundy, Dahmer killed his first victim after high school. Uh, and the show, they made him do it while he was in high school, but apparently that is not true. It was, it was that summer after high school. So he's 
he has begun his killings. That's the year Gacy gets caught for all the fucking shit he's been doing for like, you know, eight years. Bundy is already, you know, well into his killing and isn't getting caught just yet. And then you have, what? who else? Uh, well, no, Manson's in prison. But I think that with the hillside strength, like there's like everything is simultaneous. And it's just one year removed from the son of Sam. It's like this time in America that was just so fucking dark, right? Wait, Son of Sam was like the late 70s, though. Yeah, 77. Yeah, so yeah. I'm talking about if 78. Uh, is he just like one year removed from the 78 activities of Gacy, Dahmer, and Bundy? It's like amazing, you know? Right. Yeah, Manson was more like late 60s, like early yeah, 70s. He, he's already, he already sitting in jail by them, yeah. Exactly, exactly. But uh, if you take a, a snapshot of, say, like, 68 to like the early 80s it's, it's a wonder you and i are alive mike jesus no wonder most of gen x is dead we've been killed by serial killers it's unbelievable you know well you know like in the in the 90s uh that's when i first started doing a lot of like, traveling with bands and stuff like that and that was mm-hmm. around the time that i was really reading about a lot of these things and, me too uh, yeah you know, and that's when I was like super paranoid all the time. Like in the middle of the night, you go to like a truck stop somewhere in the Midwest, and I was like, "We're in Wisconsin." You know, this is like, you know, where people get murdered. They get abducted and killed and cut into pieces and stuff like that. You know, and it was always in the back of my mind to like pay attention. You know, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, and but and if you if you take like a a young person checking out all this stuff now. I mean, it's it's ancient history, but you can see how it's kind of like interesting, you know? It's like, wow, the world was really like this? And you can't say, no, it's all made up. The world wasn't really like this. The world was really like this. It's like, holy fucking shit, you know? I mean, as far as we've come, it's it's it, it's amazing. I mean, look, we still live in, in my opinion, a, quite a violent world. Violent, horrible things happen. But... You know, can you imagine if we were still dealing with like major serial killing on top of what we're dealing with now in society? Yeah, that would definitely be a problem, you know, but but like I said, you know, another thing with the surveillance state that we live in, too, you know, it's like you can't get away with any. You can't even like uh, uh, run a red light without a camera catching you, you know? Yeah. Today's world makes it very hard to be a quote-unquote serial killer not saying that there isn't one there probably is but it definitely is a harder world to be one in now um yeah i mean to me the the, the two of the the most brutal moments in this whole thing honestly was the 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 killing of the the 14 year old boy and, and the killing of the uh deaf uh gay young black man those were like harsh moments for me what about you definitely those two and especially the guy that he was actually having a relationship with that was like very 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 harsh and there's two other moments that really i've been thinking about ever since i saw that episode with the 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 gentleman that he was having a relationship with they were were playing a board game right Mm -hmm. some game that jeffrey um devised when he was a, a kid i guess and mm-hmm. when the yes. two the two pieces land on the same square, Jeffrey says one of one of uh, one of us uh, disappears into the vortex, 
Yes. And then later mm-hmm. on, he's calling the victims' families, and he was telling them to stop looking for their son, that he's not coming back, and that he had dis- disappeared into the vortex. Yeah, uh, that was pretty harsh. That was, like, creepy. Like, that was beyond gore. That was, like, existential, like, malaise. You know what I mean? That was, like, some serious... That, that was almost akin to the ending of um, of Martyrs. I had that same feeling when he said that to the to the victim's family. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because there are moments in this movie that take you to that martyr's level, right? Like, maybe not as far as the, the blood and guts per se, but as far as the, as far as the disturbing level and as far as the holy shit, this is fucked up level, right? Yeah, because there was like this nonchalance that he had about the whole thing where one moment the, this, this is a person, you know, it was like a living person with a, a life and a personality and people that, you know, cared about that person. And then moments later, it's a piece of material. You know, it's like yeah. something that he was going to uh, consume as food or burn you know burn the bones and smash the bones in the powder and spread yeah. in the yard and it was like that transition to be, between being like a some kind of living being and then just being material is like a real heavy like concept that this movie really put into focus like when you're watching it and that's what i mean it was like to me it was hard to watch man it was like a very emotionally taxing to kind of get through this whole thing you know, but I still couldn't stop watching it. You know, I was like the irony. Exactly. And again, again uh, you know, you, you, I would attribute it to the performances of two very good actors, Evan Peters and Richard Jenkins. You're horrified by Evan Peters, but you're like kind of fascinated by his Dahmer portrayal, you know? And yeah, yeah. as far as Lionel Dahmer goes with Richard Jenkins, you just feel for this father who literally still just loves his son. And it's just like, holy shit. He, he, he know, like, even after he knows what his son has done, he still loves his son and wants to see his son and talks to his son because it's his son, like, you know? But he feels hor- horrible about all the things his son has done. And he feels regrets for the way he's lived his life and missing the, oh, I don't know, 50 red flags, obviously, that he did not pick up on himself, um, which I think today most parents would hopefully pick up on parents of the, you know, 70s, perhaps not. Um, Yeah, it's an agonizing performance from Richard Jenkins, you know, um, that really kind of draws you in. But at the same time, sometimes I found myself almost frustrated with him because it was like you, you don't see what is clearly right in front of you with your son, what a, a horrible mess he is, you know? And everything is like, great, son, you know? And it's like, come on, man, wake up, you know? Everything is not, that's great, Jeff, you know? But, you know, lighter lighter semi-moments in the film like that, you know? Did you, did you catch any of those? Yeah, I also caught the fact that he, he also felt responsible for some of the stuff that happened, too, you know, towards yeah. the end. 
you know, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, and also there was a, there was an angle that was presented in the film where, uh, Jenkins is like, you know, I had similar feelings and I'm sorry that I wasn't, I didn't allow you to speak about these things so that we could right. we probably could have helped, helped you, you know, and, you know, and also, I mean, not for nothing, man. I don't know about you, but no one, no one ever took me out on the streets to find roadkill and you know make uh, yes. you know taxidermy, you know practice taxidermy. That that was never something I was uh, that was ever presented to me as like a, a hobby, you know. Not at like eleven or no. whatever, ten or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that was probably a mistake on Lionel Dahmer's part. Again, taxidermy is not serial murder but exposing a young child to that who has like already no friends and already has problems might not have been a good idea in hindsight agree not a good idea um yeah but again that was also something i never knew like i never knew that the dad kind of taught him about how to do things like that and about bones and about you know what to do with carcasses, which is kind of interesting. I never really knew that. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm not sure if I read that somewhere or whatever, but I think, um, I think I was aware of that on some level, um, mm-hmm. that he, that his father was the one who te- taught him taxidermy. And, uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know about the, the stepmother. Um, I didn't know about his yeah. mother's, uh, they hinted at his, his actual birth mother having, um, you know, some kind of mental illness issues as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she was a piece of work apparently, and you know, she did move out on them when he was a kid, and 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 left him alone that whole summer. And you know, look, it, it's funny. Um, Dahmer had no friends. He had mental issues. Uh, he he was drinking heavily by like fifteen, sixteen. I mean. You know, for his parents to kind of be oblivious to some of his behaviors is kind of shame on them, you know. But again, like the world was such a different place. And I I don't know. I mean, could this have been, uh, you know, New Jersey, upstate New York? Sure. It could have it could have been anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Uh, A lot of kids have drinking problems at a young age and have no friends and are weird. But what comes into play that what sets this apart, I think, was that the whole animal thing at the young age, right, is to me one of the biggest like red flags. But was that just not something to be seen as disturbing back then? Apparently not. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because um, I remember. You know, since like I grew up out, you know, more of a rural area than you did. You know, I grew up yeah. in the suburbs where where kids hunted. You know, like their kid. I didn't hunt. That wasn't my thing. You know, but like I knew kids that I went to high school. Not high school. Well, yeah, high school, like grade school, grade school. You know, their dads were these kind of like uh, redneck dudes who would you know take them out and learn how to hunt. And, you know, dress the animals and do that whole thing, you know, cut them up and drain the blood out of them. But that's different than finding animal carcasses and stuffing them, you know? Mm, yes. So I just think maybe back then people were more comfortable with that kind of thing, you know? And mm. uh, But the other thing, too, that's interesting is that 
I specifically remember watching a documentary or, or a part of a documentary about Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, they, they were, maybe it was like a general serial killer type thing. And they were commenting on how he had a relatively normal childhood. You know, because yeah. like most, most children that are turned into serial killers were like a sexually abused or like, mm-hmm. you know, ske- real sketchy shit. You know what I mean? Happened yeah. to them when they were kids. And that's what I think this, uh, the, the series kind of goes into the dysfunction that he actually experienced at home, which to me was news, you know? Yeah, I don't think he had a normal childhood. No. He himself actually even said to a reporter once that his childhood was not that extraordinary and that his parents have nothing to do with his actions and it was all him. Um, he himself said that, actually. Right. Yeah, but uh, but if but the viewers but look, but when, when you see what really happened, if you read, I guess Lionel Dahmer's book, or you you know you watch the series, it's like, nah, that's not a normal childhood, though, Mister Dahmer. You know, like that's not a healthy upbringing, right? At all. No, not at all. You know, and uh, yeah, so you have a really good understanding of Jeffrey Dahmer by watching this, you know, and. Uh, now, I guess the big question that a lot of people are talking about online is, um, mm-hmm. you know, did we really need to have this, or what's the purpose of a, right. of a film like this? Is it exploitation? Is it, you know, actually serving a purpose? Like, how do the victims' families feel about this stuff? You know, mm. yeah, a lot of a lot of victims' families feel completely like over, you know. Like they're experiencing this hell all over again. And I'm sure that if, if I was one of the victim's families, I would feel the same way. Uh, I don't, I don't believe I would watch it obviously, Uh, but it would be very hard to escape in this day and age of Netflix and hype and media. Uh, It would not be something I would watch if, if, if this was one of my family members, honestly. So I completely empathize with that aspect. Um, but to say, you know, like I've seen people say, you know, we don't need this. Who really wants this? And it's like, well, uh, as for who really wants this, the answer is millions of people. Uh, that, that's the answer of who. Uh, the bigger question is, yeah, the probably why, right? Like, yeah. why are we doing this? That's, uh, I don't have that answer, to be honest. Um, I Look, I love horror films. I love the darker side of life. I enjoy well-done films and television and documentaries. And I will say that as disturbing as this was, it was well done. And I enjoyed watching it. Um, Was it a pleasant, fun watch? No. But it was well done. It It was good. It was worth it, quote unquote. So in that respect, on, on a, you know, entertainment quote-unquote level i see it um why does anyone make anything you know what i'm saying i mean i don't know i don't have that answer i mean i can't judge anyone for wanting to watch this because i you know in my 20s i was right there you know reading all the manson books and the ted bundy books and all the books Mm -hmm. that you know sandra london wrote you know and uh you know i can't judge anyone from for you know the ed Gein, all that stuff i was reading all those things you know but I just think at this stage of my life, I definitely got something out of watching it for sure. But yeah, I, I think 
I, I kind of veer away from true crime these days, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I feel like a lot of this stuff I've already, you know, exposed myself. I've been exposed to a lot. I, I exposed myself. No, I didn't. I haven't exposed myself. I have been exposed to a lot of um, this material already, you know, and I know the basics and I understand what's going on. Uh, so maybe that's not why I gravitate towards these things anymore. You know, and I'm not saying I'm an authority or I know everything about this, but uh, but this one definitely piqued my interest because yeah. um, I just I, I was expecting it, suspecting it to be have a lot of depth, and it did. You know, and um, you know whether or not that's useful information that is, you know, remain. I guess that remains to be seen whether or not that's like. I, it's crucial that I know all these things about Jeffrey Dahmer now, but mm. nonetheless, like it's a, it's, it's a piece of art, you know, it's a creative it's a piece expression. Of art. Exactly. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I think it's valid, you know, and it if you don't valid. like it, you don't like it, you know, don't watch it. If don't uh, watch it. Exactly. I, I, uh, I would actually a great job of, uh, I'm sorry. Go yeah. Ahead. The one thing I was going to say though, is I, I would be, um, yeah, like the filmmakers, I would I would be stoked if they gave some kind of per, you know percentage of their proceeds or something some of the profits to these fucking people man that had to deal with this yeah. shit or some kind of like fund or charity or something you know that's that's where it gets kind of exploitative I think you know it's like okay I'm going to make another couple million dollars off of the sorrow and misery of these people you know and maybe not without giving anything back to them I agree with that and, and 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 while there has been apparently zero talk of that happening from this movie, yeah. Uh, one thing that this movie has done, uh, well, two things. Number one, apparently it has brought renewed interest in the vacant property uh, where the apartment complex sat, which was uh, tore down about a year or two after uh, 1991, uh, which apparently was supposed to be turned into a park. It was never turned into a park. It is like this this lot that's kind of sitting there that I believe is, you know, has grass in it. It's just, you know, nothing there. And a bunch of people apparently have contacted the city, posted the film to see, Hey, what's, what's going on with this. Maybe in our lifetime, we will see a, an actual memorial or park for those victims there. Uh, but, but another thing uh, on a lighter note is that it, it, this did bring me to 1991, which was the year I graduated high school. Uh, with with like the music and just like the kind of you know the vibes of some of it and it was a good year uh for me uh you know and i i remember the the insanity of of, of the Dahmer moment of back then uh I, very well do you remember it well personally absolutely yeah definitely i remember you know like i said i was like a very much entrenched in this type of stuff you know um you know, reading about it, you know, I mean, I'm a few years older than you. So I was like, you know, my early twenties or, you know, whatever yeah. at that point and, uh, reading about this stuff and being like sort of in whatever limited information I was able to get being fascinated by it the same way I was fascinated with Ed Gein and Ted Bundy and Manson and like all these other people, you know, Andre Chicolito, yeah. you know, they call those people. <laughs> yes. Know? You know, when when you're younger, it's it's a different vibe, and it's interesting how you said how you know how you've gotten older, and you're not really as into the true crime thing anymore, and that's you know nothing wrong with that at all. Um, 
I feel like I get back into it when things like this come out. I'll say that, you know? Right. Um, it's not my number one thing either, true crime. But when, like, the new Bundy series came out and the new Bundy documentary came out, I was all about it, you know? Uh, same for the, the Gacy revisit. Um, if things are, are done well and, and I enjoyed it and I learned things about the case that I never knew about it, then I will say, hey, this was actually quite good. And like you said, it, it is art, especially if it's something, you know, done in like a movie format. And, you know, um, Ryan Murphy obviously thought this was something that should be made, you know, and he did a good job, I think, of tying in, like you said, at the start of the episode, uh, topics of the day that were even topics of the day back then, but it wasn't something that was at the forefront you know um and you know for that alone i think it, it, it probably deserved to have gotten made right yeah that's actually a really good point mike that it that kind of re- was like a an attempt at maybe redeeming some of this stuff because if it was just like a, a exploration of depravity and and uh you know just depravity and gore and violence without any kind of uh you know, social commentary, because there was plenty to be made with this story. Mm. Yeah. You know, the fact that Jeffrey lived in a, you know, basically a black neighborhood. Most of it, a lot, I would say a high percentage of his victims were people of color. And the right. fact I that mean, he well, lived he in that. He was poor himself. Like yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer had no money. And uh, he lived in that neighborhood because, well, he, that's all he could afford. Um, and. I didn't get the vibe that he went after gay men for any racist reason. It was because, well, again, that's the neighborhood he was in and he had no, you know what I'm saying? He had no issues being with them sexually. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's kind of weird. Like it's, it's kind of like a, a weird take, you know, it's like, well, was he racist or was it really just a matter of, yeah, he, he lived in that neighborhood, and that's who well, lived that, in that, that neighborhood. Well, that wasn't really the point I was going to make. The point I was going to make oh, is, no, no, is I know. Because, because he lived in a neighborhood with people of color, the police mm-hmm. were not likely to have a quick response, as was shown in the film. And, oh, yeah. And proved any, any of the yeah. people that lived in that neighborhood, they were just dismissed. Like, the cops never yeah. showed up half of the time. And when they did, they were like, would, like, release Jeffrey. In, you know, like, oh, yeah, this 14 year old yeah. kid, that's his boyfriend. Great. You know, everything's fine. There's no problems here, you know. And then that was mind blowing. Like, how do you not see that a 14 year old is 14 and not 19? Even even in 1991, I feel like you could see that. But I mean, Jesus Christ, like, wow, it's just that really happened. Like, just that, like, it, you know, who knows if it happened exactly in those beats, but that did happen. The police did release a 14-year-old yeah. who had brain drilled back into the hands of Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, holy shit. Like, unbelievable. Yeah, wow. I mean, I, I, I'm no, uh, you know, defund the police guy. But I'm also not very, I'm not crazy about cops either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, you know, like most people our age, Mike, you know, we were punk rockers. You know, we didn't really like the cops, you know. We've been, I've been hassled yeah. by the cops many times too, you know, not to the extent that maybe black people have, you know, but, yeah. uh, I'm not a fan of policemen, <laughs> honestly, you know, 
um, you know, for reasons that I can I could go into, uh, you know, in, in private with people if you want to really know know some of my run-ins with the police. But uh, <laughs> but you know, I think there's a lot of validity to that. The fact that if if Dahmer was like murdering and eating people in a different neighborhood, the cops would be all about trying to stop him and they'd be more receptive to complaints about this guy, you know, and that's 100%. Yeah. Uh, he probably would have been caught far sooner, obviously, you know? Yeah. You know, uh, and, uh, they just didn't care. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. And that, and that, that's like one of the things in the film that, or the series that is, uh, very well done. I think alongside all the brutality and depravity that's being shown. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the ending. Uh, yeah, Christopher Scarver is the name of the man who killed uh, Jeffrey Dahmer in prison in 1994, played by actor Furley Mack. Uh, amazingly, you know, Christopher Scarver was uh, a guy who, again, like I said, moments before the murder of Dahmer, uh, killed a, another uh, inmate, uh, Jesse Anderson who apparently uh, had killed his own wife and tried to pin the murder on two innocent black men, but uh, who had nothing to do with it. And that was something that Scarver had learned of and was very upset about and was obviously very upset about, you know, Dahmer and that whole situation. Um, you know, uh, back in 2012, apparently, Christopher Scarver was supposed to write his own book about all of this, but uh, it did not come to fruition. I'd read that book. I don't know about you. I would, sure. I would check that book out. I would yeah. check that out. Yeah, I mean, that that would be an interesting take on the whole thing. <laughs> I, for some reason, I actually thought this guy was not alive, but no, he is alive. He's uh, 53. He's not even that old a guy. Wow. Uh, he was, you know, he's been in prison a long time. Amazing. Uh, I thought that ending scene was fucking super intense. And also, again, really uh, well done. The the demise of Jeffrey Dahmer. What did you think? It was it was very intense, you know. And mm. you know, I mean, knowing the story, I knew that it was only a matter of time before he was going to see his murder, you know, in jail, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, just just the interaction between him and Richard Jenkins, and like, you know, even you know, I can't even imagine what that would be like to to be, yeah locked up for the rest of your life for multiple homicides and for multiple life sentences and seeing your family, dude, like what the hell would that be like? Uh, and he was baptized that, that, that the day before or whatever. And I, again, something else I never really knew. I never knew that he had uh, done a, a, a conversion to, you know, Christianity or whatever. And yeah, you, you know, all these little takeaways that, that uh, I thought were interesting that I never knew because I was never the biggest Bundy, uh, you know, guy with the serial killers. I, I read, I've read more books about Ted Bundy, I would uh, say, than Dahmer, you know, uh, sorry. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, you could say this could be the final word on Dahmer, you know, even though it, it's not a documentary per se, uh, it's, it's a Hollywood film. Uh, if this was the final word on Dahmer, I think I would be okay with it. Do you think so? I hope so, man. Uh, I really do <laughs> hope that they don't continue to make in documentaries and movies about any of these people, really. I gotta be honest. Yeah. But what's funny is they, they see how well these things do 
And yes, they come up with more of well, you know, people to make these films about, which I guess is, is problematic. But like I said earlier, it's it, it, the audience is what dictates these things. And if this is a flop, then you don't see it. But this was like a huge, huge success, which says to me, no, this is not the end, actually. I got to be oh, honest. I'm, I'm well aware that there's probably going to be more, you know, about other murderers and whatnot but you know to me i i just got to be honest it's a little ghoulish you know what i mean and Mm. and i'm gonna say that you know back in the day in the 90s you know like i hate to be that guy you know but (laughs) the reality is like this stuff was not mainstream you know no and i think that's why i'm reacting the way i am because it's like you had to like find these fucking things you know you had to mail away for them you had to like go into like the East village to like see here, you know, where they sold uh Nambla pamphlets and stuff, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, white supremacist literature. They had all and all sorts of like, they had, yeah, they had resistance fans. Yeah. Like, they had like <laughs> white power. They had serial killers They had black metal, death metal, hardcore, punk rock, uh, gay community, you name it. Like yeah. that. That's, you know, it was, it was of its time. Like, yeah, and, and that's, I guess, what I'm trying to say is that, um, you know, there was an allure to this type of material back then because it seemed like real fringe to me. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. in my living room, so to speak. You know, All I had right. to go out on the streets to find something like this, you know, and, you know, and and uh, that that changes the way I see it a little bit. Now it's like, you know, if you have a Netflix account, you can watch this stuff, you know, and I think that... Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to preach about it either, too. You know, I mean, like, uh, who am I yeah. to tell anybody what to do? I mean, I, you know, I salute. Go out there, you know, check it out, you know, and, and get get something out of it, you know. But I'm just talking personally for me. I think I'm yeah. good. I think I'm good with all this stuff. Now, with that, what would you rate, Dahmer? Oh, I would give uh, it a five. hundred percent. I'd give it a five out of five. It was an excellent production, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I concur. I, I actually also give this a five out of five. Uh, I I think it is one of the the best horror related uh, properties of the year. How about that? Um, like I said, I was completely glued to every episode. Uh, I felt like there was no real time wasted. Um, I mean, it it horrifies. It is horrific. Uh, if that's what horror is supposed to do, that's what this does. If true crime is supposed to, you know, bring it like this, that's that's what this does. Um, now, I do know and, I, and I've read that they have taken liberties and some things are a little incorrect and some characters and some timelines. And OK, that's fine and good. But taking it as as it is, like as its own piece of art, this is a five out of five. You know what I'm saying? It, this is a great fucking you know horror experience in my opinion it is yeah um absolutely without question um it'll be interesting to see you know what they do next because i feel like they could perhaps do the documentary treatment like they did on that last uh multi-part gacy or that multi-part bundy which was you know documentary and not hollywood uh aside from that bundy you know feature film they did but maybe not i don't know 
Uh, they did get a lot of heat, though. There, there is heat against this. Um, it's not all everyone's praising it. Uh, some people have, you know, big problems with it and glorification of, of Jeffrey Dahmer and making him sympathetic and whatnot. And, but, uh, yeah, there was also a problem that um, it had uh, an LGBTQ tag on it for the first uh, several uh, days or weeks uh, until Netflix removed it uh, because they got so many complaints saying, hey, why does it have this tag? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, you're not doing us any favors. Get rid of this tag as, you know what I'm saying, as part of like your your infrastructure on Netflix for LGBTQ content. And you know what? I, I would probably have to say that, yeah, that it was probably the right move. You know, I mean, this is it's it's a it's horrific. You know what I'm saying? It's horror. The fact that like Jeffrey Dahmer was homosexual and and killed members of the gay community doesn't necessarily make this like must see LGBTQ content. Right. I mean, you know, I would say that's two different things. Yeah, I, I could dig that. I think that um, it's just not the kind of content that you would expect if it was labeled LGBTQ. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah. you know, it's a whole, I, I get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. LGBTQ um, plus, you know? Right, exactly. But yeah, they, they took the, the tag off. Um, I'm not sure how long it was up there for, but, uh, you know, and yeah, the, reviews wise, it, it, again, it's, it's uh, a lot of people talking about the acting of Jenkins. Uh, how could you not? And of course, uh, Evan Peters. But, you know, look, this isn't for everybody. Right. I mean, as much as you and I gave you a five stars, if you I don't know, I feel like certain scenes of this will make people turn this fucker off. Honestly, no. Sure. Yeah. No, totally, man. You know, and, and me saying that, do we really need another one of these things? Doesn't mean that I don't think it should have been made. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying for me personally, I don't think I need another one of these things. But, you know, I, I believe that people should be free to express themselves. And as long as they. No one's trying to silence anyone, you know, but also, you know, take the criticism too. You know, if people want to criticize it, then by all means, express yourself. Don't call for cancellation, but, you know, express your your opinion about it. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, we're uh, we're in October. We've got literally almost all of October, November and December left for our, you know, year ends of sorts. and there's some rather marquee films left for this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, including Terrifier 2 and uh, what I'm just going to call Halloween 3. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, the, uh, the wait, the third Halloween? This is the second or third Halloween 3? I'm keeping, you know, keeping score here. Um, Halloween 3. And, yeah, there's some other stuff. Uh, we're, we want to cover Barbarian. Oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. There's, you know... Other things in the pipeline. So if you were wondering, uh, wondering why or when we're going to cover certain things, don't worry, we are going to get to it, right, Mike? Well, yeah, definitely. And there's another uh, Benson and Moorhead film that's in the festival circuit right now called Something in the Dirt, and uh, mm-hmm. it's actually showing at the Brooklyn Horror Film Festival this month. Yes, uh, hopefully I, I will get to something that's showing during that Brooklyn Horror Film Festival, which I, has always sadly eluded me. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there's always something cool going on. And, 
yeah, Har's Har's having a fucking year this year. I, I mean, it's kind of undeniable, you know. There's three films by one director that, well, one of them is not coming out this year, but there's two films by one director that might actually be on my top uh, ten, you know. Yeah, exactly. I'll I'll leave it at that. You guys can probably figure out what I'm talking about. (laughs) Totally, totally. All right. Well, thank you for dealing with my cold, uh, both Mike Hill and the listeners. Um, We hope you enjoyed this episode. Like I said, subscribe to the Necromaniacs podcast via Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Tell a friend, right, Mike? Tell a friend. That's right. Word of mouth is still a thing these days. And uh, if you're an Apple listener... Why don't you write one of those quick little reviews? Those are always fun to see. They help us. They help spread the word and uh, spread the good health all along. And uh, stay warm, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time. Take care, guys. Yeah!